and Roy Ambassadors, a little kids program through church, right? kind of like Boy Scouts, grew up on the east side of Columbus. Uh, we were able to um, have a revival there one fall. I believe it was Cliff Coleman who was preaching, and we were in the basement, and I knew God was working on me, and I was, uh, had questions, and I'm thankful I grew up in a Christian home with a Christian mom and dad. And uh, I had those questions. I can still today drive out and uh, find the parking spot in this little AMC spirit that my dad sat in and answered the questions and led me to God. So thankful for that. That was around the age of six. Like I said, we were in Royal Ambassadors there at that church. I uh, continued. Um, Every summer, we got to go to Seneca Lake, RA camp, looked forward to it. But one year around the age of 10, it was different. I still remember shuffling my feet at the little wood floor in that chapel. And the missionary, he was from Africa, and he was talking about um, what he was doing and how God was doing stuff. And I just felt that same tug of my heart. And so around the age of 10, I went forward to be a missionary. And then here's where the story takes a really bad turn. You have to go 30 years in my, in my story, in my life, to find out anything different. Because it was about the age of 10, approaching my teenage years, that somehow, some way, I got off track and that may be a surprise to some of you all today because I was the good kid. I was the church kid, right? Always behaving, staying out of trouble, all that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, I wasn't who I appeared. Sometimes I don't think any of us are, right? And so I started to become religious instead of have that sweet relationship with God. And as I became a teenager and even into my early adult years, I started to just basically form my own religion, right? I showed up in church every Sunday. I carried my Bible, but I never read it unless I cracked it open on Sunday, right? And I didn't spend much time praying. And I found myself doing things that I knew were wrong. And I knew what the right thing to do was because I was in church every week. But then I found myself doing what I wanted to do because I was God and not God. And I found myself being stretched further and further until maybe you all have been there. Maybe some are like that here today. But I found myself stretched to the point where I couldn't go on. I was miserable. I was critical. I was mean. I just wasn't the person God wanted me to be. And because of that... <clears throat> There wasn't any power of God in my life. And we're going to talk about that today. Because the fact that I can be up here today talking to you is a miracle. Because you can ask Dale DeBoard, my old buddy. He was my Sunday school teacher, him and Miss Diane. And there were so many Sundays that they're trying to be obedient and teach a Sunday school lesson. And I'm so shy 
and so quiet and so reserved that I would take the curtain, pull it over my face, and kind of hide back in the corner. I think of that now, and I'm like, man, I was probably pretty creepy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you guys are patient folks, you know? And uh, the fact that I can get up here today in front of people, that's God. Because honestly, even to this day, I don't have any desire to be in front of people, you know? But I tell you, when you got good news, you want to share it. And that's what makes me get up here today. So I just want to introduce my family real quick. Miss Kelly, we've been married 23 years almost. Uh, little Sarah, who's not so little. She's going to be taller than me, I think. I keep shrinking. Uh, 10, 11, just turned 11. And Evan back there will be 16. And I have to tell you a super quick story. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to keep on time. But... The voice of God is so quiet. And in this world, we get so busy with so many things, some good things, some bad things. I think sometimes we miss it. And I've been guilty of that. But it wasn't until 2014 that I got to take a mission trip and we went to the Philippines. We went all the way around the world. And I got to tell you, I um, wasn't sure I wanted to go. But I thought, you know what, this might be pretty cool. I've never done anything like this. So I just went. And my life was changed. Because I saw people that didn't have anything. And they were the happiest people I'd ever seen in my whole life. And so when I came home... It really started this whirlwind where everything that I was about, making myself comfortable, it didn't seem to matter as much because I saw people that by our standards should be really uncomfortable and they had this joy that I didn't have. And I figured out that carrying your Bible and showing up in church every week, you can still be really far from God. And that's who I was. And I'm so thankful. And Jonah, one of my favorite verses in the Bible was Jonah 3.1. It says that God came to Jonah a second time. God gives people second chances. Right? Anybody ever need a second chance? I've needed a lot of them. And so when we came home from that mission trip, God had already started working on me. And I knew that going around the world wasn't where I was supposed to be. And little by little, I felt the windows starting to close and close and close. And as I started to share this, what I thought God was calling me to, by the way, he had said that at age 10, I just wasn't listening. But when I started listening, people said, hey, where are you going to go be a missionary at? And I said, right here. Because there's a lot of broken people right where we live. There's a lot of broken people in churches. I was one of them. And so I'm so, so encouraged to be able to come back to churches, even churches that I used to be in, and say, God is good. And he loves us. In our mission that's called Pathfinder Missions, 
He has a good path for every one of us if we're willing to see it. And so back to the RA thing real quick. That story I was going to tell you about Evan, he was 10. And I felt that little voice saying, at our church, we don't have RAs. You guys still had it. And I felt him telling me, you know what? You should go back to Seneca Lake and take your son with you. Share with him what you got to see when you were growing up as a boy. And so I got to tell you, I think Phil probably thought I was nuts because he had a van full of kids and he's getting ready to haul off to Seneca Lake and here comes this guy and this kid they didn't know anybody, and we're strangers in that van, let alone at camp. And so we ride along with them. But, you know, God calls us to get uncomfortable and do some things that may sometimes don't make sense, right? But when we're willing to listen, I got to tell you, that was one of the best weeks of my life. It was, wasn't it, Phil? <laughs> I'll never forget sitting in the cabin the old days. Man, I never thought this was going to be this hard. <laughs> and just as I was a boy and they would share devotions, now I got to be the guy sharing the devotions with the kids. And we can tell all kinds of devotions, but the devotion I wanted to concentrate on was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I shared that that night, and he got to be part of it at a young age, we used a little visual example, and he helped me with it. Do you know, before even asked, five kids got up and got saved that night? That's what God does when you listen to him. He changes people's lives. And so I just got to tell you today that I'm thankful for you all, and I'm really thankful for uh, what you guys did for me and my family. Because you guys kind of got me off, kept me centered, and uh, helped me get to where we are today. So thank you. I love you all. But I wanted to ask you guys today, we use this quite a bit, smaller ones. These don't fit in your wallet very well. But if I were to hold these up, which one is bigger? What's this side of the room say? Blue. What about over here? The blue ones, right? Everybody agree? Well, here's what's neat. You take them and you do this. And the red one is bigger, right? We have these out front on the table. Please stop and talk to us. We would love to see you all. Um, these little cards that fit in your wallet are one of the best tools you can ever use to witness to somebody, as simple as they are. Because everybody likes little mind tricks. Anybody not like simple little silly stuff like that? Right? But here's the thing. Within minutes, you can tell people those are fun tricks. Tricks that everybody likes. But what happens if at some point in our lives we miss what God wants for us? Maybe we miss heaven and we're tricked. Then it's not so funny anymore. And I think our churches need 
more people that are heartbroken about people that are going to hell. Because it's true. Hell is a real place. And real people are dying and going there every day. And when God finally got through my thick head and impressed that upon me, and then he started to work and show me that we have the best message, we have the remedy, we have to be active and sharing it with people. And is it scary sometimes? Absolutely. Right? Is it uncomfortable? Man, if there's one thing you all leave with today, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because when you get to that spot, God will have you doing stuff that you never dreamed of. Talking to people you never think you would talk to. Seeing him do things that you never thought he'd see you do. So even yesterday, to show you that this works, we had our board down at a homeless mission. We go down there once a month with our church, and we just try to encourage those folks because they need help, right? Help in lots of ways. They need fed, and so there's feeding that goes on. They need a little bit of love, so you try to love on them a little bit. There's some people that need uh, guidance, so there's people there a lot smarter than me that do that. Right? But then the biggest thing is we share a message with them that Jesus Christ has a good path for them. And I tell you, yesterday there was a lady, Oceana, there was a lady, Latrina, that gave their life to God. They said they were tired of fighting him. They got saved yesterday. This stuff still works. <laughs> it still works. And another lady, Brittany, She had been saved early in her life, but got off track. And so she just wanted to get back on track, get on the right path. God knows we're going to get off track. But he loves us so much, he's right there if we're willing to listen to get us right back on track. And that's why we're here today, just to let you guys know not only that we love you, but man, there's a great path, and we need your help. Right? That's why we're here, to be honest. We need your help. We need your support. We need your prayers more than anything. But if you guys are willing to support us financially, right now I was working full-time this past week. I was able to cut back to part-time. I would love to be able to do this all the time. Would you guys help us? This morning we're going to turn to Mark chapter 1. We're just going to read some verses what I know, and I told you already in that testimony, is that if God's not present in your life, you don't have the power of God. And so I just want to ask you all a series of questions while you're turning to that this morning. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to get my paint ready. And I just want to ask people... Questions, because questions always convict. More often than not, statements condemn. And I just want to see if there's just a couple things. That we can take away from reading 
God's Word this morning. The biggest question that I want to ask you this morning is this. I'm going to use black paint, but I'm going to make yellow letters. Anybody see that first word? Good job. Somebody's listening. What is it? What if? The more people I talk to, don't shake my hand, I got paint on it. The more people I talk to, they don't know how to dream anymore. We're so caught up in just trying to get through the day. We miss out on tomorrow, next month, maybe what God wants for us a long time from now. So I just want to ask you all this morning, what if you guys, the reason you're here this morning, I think you all agree with me. That our world has been deceived. Anybody agree with that? Absolutely. Our world has been deceived. We've all gone our own way, the Bible tells us. Maybe we've got caught up in just the pace of life that takes us away from God. Maybe we've been caught up uh, in family troubles, broken relationships. Sometimes when things don't seem to turn our way, we turn to vices. Maybe there's an addiction that can take many forms. Our world is deceived. They're on a path. Everybody's on a path. The Bible tells us that there's a way that seems right to a man. But it always leads to death. Would you all agree this morning that's the path our world is on? It is. And so we're just going to look this morning. We're not going to beat a dead horse. We're going to look this morning. It's another question. My friends, what if our churches have been deceived? Because the other part of my testimony I didn't share with you I said you had to jump forward 30 years. We were at a Highland Baptist church. I was doing the deacon thing, going through the motions, all these kinds of things. I was being caught way more up with what I was doing than who I really was in God. And they said, we're going to have a revival for two weeks. I was like, two weeks? Anybody else cringe when you hear about a revival that's going to go on more than three days? That was me. I didn't want to be in church. I wanted to act like I was a good church guy. But I didn't want to be in a revival for two weeks. And so it was a ministry called Life Action. They're out of Michigan. They go all over the country, do revivals. Look them up. Incredible. They... uh, 
led us through a series of questions the first night. And God hit me right between the eyes of how religious I was. How I had created a whole thing of sin that was acceptable. And yet it wasn't anything that God desired. And so wouldn't you know it that we were so convicted and so encouraged by that that we went back for three weeks. The revival lasted an extra week. Right? Caleb was there. His dad was the pastor. And God did amazing work. People, revival means revived, brought back to life. People were brought back to life. I was brought back to life. I needed it. Anybody need that? I did. Right? And I started to see that as I got a little more serious about God, that what he says in Matthew is true, where he talked to the Pharisees and he said, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. That was me. I had never even read the whole Bible. And so I was out working in the yard one day, a little book called Amos. Not many people talk about old Amos, right? But I got to tell you, for some reason, because God's good, he never gives up on people, he's full of grace and mercy, he put it in my heart to read the book of Amos. And I had to look at the table of contents because I didn't know where Amos was. And so I read it, and this verse popped out with me, and it's kind of become my life verse. It says, can two walk together unless they're agreed with God? Right? I didn't agree with God. In chapter 5, it says you have to love what he loves, hate what he hates. That's what I wasn't doing. So even though I showed up in church every week and I thought I was really close to God, I found out I wasn't walking to God. In fact, I was really far from him. And so thankfully, because of his grace and mercy, I was able to start chopping away some of those big things and then some of those little things. And pretty soon I found myself so close, close to God. And do you all know that when you get close to God, you're not the same? You're just not the same person. He does that to people. And so as I started to walk close to him, I started to see things change in my life. I became a better husband. Her and I struggled for a long time. And she's got an amazing testimony that we don't have time to do today. But man, I would love for you all to hear it sometime. Because there were things present in our marriage that we didn't even know about. And so as we were off going to Cincinnati to do this ministry one day, and we're sitting in the parking lot, it came out. She said something. And I was like, where'd that come from? And she's like, I don't know. Right? And we, something that had happened to her a long time ago, she didn't even remember. That's the mercy and grace of God. Because it brought healing to our marriage. When that came out, it was able to be reconciled. And it brought so much changes to our marriage. And it's pretty good, I think, now. Hey, she said yes. All right. <laughs> All right. Man, we make light of it now, but we struggled. And I wasn't a real good dad. Right? I was too busy just trying to be that church guy. Follow the rules, son. And he was miserable. And he's got a pretty cool testimony, too. 
if he's able to get up and share it one day in God's time. Love you, son. God is good, thank you. He brings healing. And so I know that I'm on a right path. I got to figure it out. Nope. But I'm getting there. And I can see what's happened in my own family. And it makes me drop to my knees and say, Thank you for never giving up. We better get busy. Mark chapter 1. We're going to see what happens when Jesus is around. I just want to tell you guys today, sometimes in churches, Jesus isn't around. And so we're going to do a little compare, contrast. And so I'm just going to start with a whole bunch of no's, right? The kids joke with me. They say sometimes we hesitate to ask a question because the answer is always no. And what they're finding is that as I change, we start to see that there's more yeses. And so I just want to share with you all real quick this morning, it's going to go pretty fast once we get moving, that <clears throat> that Jesus has to be present, right? When he's not present, it's a bad path. So if you would pick up reading with me this morning... <clears throat> We're just going to work through this passage in Mark. It starts chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus was starting his ministry. He's about halfway through. He has disciples with him here. Verse 21, it says, And they, Jesus and the disciples, went into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they, the people in the synagogue, were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And so what we see when Jesus is present, if we believe our Bibles this morning, when Jesus is present, people are astonished. There's astonishment. We have to ask ourselves, church, this morning, do we have a lot to be astonished about? The other thing that we have to see is that they recognized Jesus' authority as God. We've already said that when we're in boss, we're the boss and not him. When he's not the authority, 
things don't go the way that they should. We're not on the path that he's designed for us. When he's there, these people recognized his authority and they were astonished. Verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out. Nothing's changed, church. Churches are still full of people that are broken just like back then. Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. So we said churches are full of broken people today. broken person back then, the unclean spirit. Even the unclean spirit recognized who God was. That God was standing right in front of them. I think sometimes we miss that today. Because he's not right there in front of them. We can't ID the real Jesus. They said they had astonishment. It says that they also had amazement. As I go church to church anymore, I don't see a lot of churches that are full of amazement. And here's one thing that is fame. They couldn't wait to go tell people about Jesus. That's how he got famous. They didn't have cell phones and internet and 24-hour news media. They went out and they told everybody, hey, did you hear about this Jesus guy? Can I tell you what he's doing? His fame says he went all places. Today, Jesus isn't very famous. Right? He's not very famous. There's not a lot of folks talking about him. And in fact, the world, because they see churches that aren't much different than them, the world, they kind of laugh at the church. Have you all seen this before? Let's pick up in 29. And forthwith, when they were Come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. So we see the sick uh, mother-in-law of Simon
there was healing. And because there was healing, there was God-directed ministry. There was a passion for ministry. See, I'm afraid what we're seeing happen anymore is that there's not a lot of healing, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And so maybe ministry's happening, but it's through our own strength. That's what we were talking about earlier. Y'all want to serve God, and afterwards you're tired. You know what I mean? Sometimes ministry in our own power does that. But I got to tell you, what I'm finding is that when you find that sweet spot where Jesus wants you to be, who he wants you to be, in the center of the good path, ministry is exciting. And I have joy. And I think sometimes, like, my wife's like, dude, you got to slow down. Because I'm just getting excited. Because I've finally been healed. I'm starting to find out who the real Jesus is. Verse 32. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And so what we see is that word all come up a couple times. We talked earlier about dreaming. Check this out. Everybody in that city, all the people were at the door. The banks were empty, the markets were empty, the schools were empty, the streets were empty. All the people were at the door. They wanted to find out who this Jesus was. And it says they brought all the sick people. Can you imagine that? If we went around to every hospital and we gathered up all the sick people and brought them in. So that the hospital was empty. And all the nursing homes and gathered them up. And all the rehab facilities. And all the drug houses and went and got all those people. And even stopped by the churches and got all those people that needed healing. All people. And they're at the door. All gathered around Jesus. What I'm starting to see today and I already told you that I'm guilty of it. So please understand that this message is for me. There's not a lot of gathering. I told you I didn't want to go to revival. I didn't want to gather. A lot of churches aren't open anymore. A lot of churches cut back. Because a lot of people don't want to be there. That might be a sign that Jesus isn't present. We're going to finish up verse 35 through 38. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, early, early, he went out 
departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And so these last things that we have to see, it says that Jesus rose up early in the morning. Why? For prayer. He wanted to be close to God. And what did he tell him? Let's go preach. Let's go talk about the good news. And then he answered it in the very last words. He said, that is why I came forth. Jesus was always on target. And he always went to where he was supposed to go. Met with who he was supposed to meet with. When he was supposed to be there. Because he was doing God's will. And he was praying, staying close. And he was preaching. He was healing people. So these are some of the things we see that might be a bad path that are present in the world, in our churches. But I tell you, I love to give people good news. Not bad news. But you can't ever see how good the good news is until you see how bad and ugly the bad is. Right? you got to be able to compare the two. So we got to kind of get raw and vulnerable and say, is that me? What if? What if some of these things are true? But this is where it gets exciting, church. What if next week, Mr. Phil talked about it, What if we celebrate Easter like we've never celebrated it before? What if we realize that he absolutely shed his blood? It says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. What if we realize that if we've received that gift, church, that we're free? That we're redeemed, that we're forgiven of stuff from our past, stuff that we'll do today, stuff for the future. It's all been taken care of. And why? Because he did exactly what he said he would do. They tried to hold him back. They put guards. They put a big rock in front of it. But just like he said three days later, He rose again. Amen. 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 That's where everything changes, my friends. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all that believe. 
And you're like, well, why are you holding this up? Because that word power, this blew me away when I found this out. Do you know the word we get for the word power that's used there? Dynamite! <laughs> Isn't that cool? He blew up death. He blew up sin. I think that if we really realize who we are, his children, saved, forgiven, full of hope, we realize that we have his power inside of us. Can you imagine what we can do, Sam Fluke? Can you imagine? I think what would happen... is we would see a life path so different than this path. And we would be so uh, thankful, full of joy, gentle, kind, all the fruit of the Spirit, that we would have life. He says that you come that we may know that we have life and we can have life more abundantly, right? And then check this out. Because churches aren't full of people, or buildings, I should say. They're full of people. Then our churches are full of life. Huh. And we're celebrating. And it's so much different than this path. And we're coming in here, and we fellowship, and we love being with each other and everything else. And we're ready for God to do amazing things. What happens if that path were no longer deceived? And because we're no longer deceived, all of those things are taken away. And we start to see something really cool. In fact, we're astonished by the healing that God brings to people broken relationships with sons and wives. Maybe we're astonished because he starts to do remarkable things in our communities. Maybe we set ourselves aside and he becomes the authority in our life. And when that happens, we find out who the true Jesus is because we said that you can't know who he is unless you're close to him. So what happens if you're close enough and you're walking with him and we see who he really is? And we're amazed. And because we're amazed and we're astonished, we have good news. We want to make him famous. And we want to go out and tell every single person we know about him. Why? Because you can testify. He's done something in my life. You don't even have to be a Bible scholar. I know I'm not. But I can speak of what he's done in my life. And when you go out... And you talk to people, because we're doing it more and more at nursing homes and senior centers and jails and college campuses and uh, on the streets and all these things. People realize this world is messed up. And they realize it needs something and they're not sure what it is. And we have the answer. <laughs> we have the answer. And so when you go up to people, and like I said, it might be uncomfortable, but man, when you step out just a little bit, I got to tell you, it's amazing. Because, Mr. Dale, I'm sorry I keep bringing you up, but we were talking about phones, 
and how people get so busy with phones and all that kind of stuff. When you go to college campuses, I absolutely love it. Because when you go there, kids that are so busy being on their phones all the time, and you're like, oh, here goes the old guy. He's going to complain about technology. No. When you stop and you listen, and these kids put their phone down because they're curious what's going on, in five minutes, a complete stranger will share their whole life with you. All their struggles, all their pains, all their hurts, all their scars. Why? Because nobody listens. Everybody's busy doing stuff. And if you're willing just to step out and be God's hands and feet that he called us to be, and you're able to sit there and listen to them, they start to see that God is real. And they want it. And I can't tell you how many times we've been on college campuses where they've seen people doing street preaching and beating them down and breaking them down and all that kind of stuff. Never mentioning anything about God and his love. Just all the things that they do wrong. Anybody like to be around people like that? But man, when you go there and you're willing to listen to them and show them a little love and tell them the only reason that you can love them is because he first loved us. And then you're sitting there and you can share truth because they were created by God. They have that desire within them. And so when you speak it, and it may be foreign because they haven't heard it before, haven't heard it in a long time, it starts to connect. And the walls come down. And I can't tell you how many people on college campuses sitting there talking to them. They leave encouraged. And it's not me. It's just doing what the Bible said. And when you leave there, they ask you to come back. And they're like, please come back. Guys are doing this in schools all over. And principals, off the record, come to them and say, please come back. Please keep teaching our young people. Our world is dying to hear what we have. They just don't know it. Would you all be with me? And do that because I got to tell you, healing comes, then you're out doing ministry, you want to be in church, you find yourself having a desire to pray like never before, you want to preach the truth, you won't want to stray from it. So that means you get in and you study it and you find it out. And it says you examine yourself with fear and trembling, and before you know it, a form of godliness that Timothy tells us to stay away from. You don't have it because he also says that when you have that form of godliness, you don't have any power of God. And so when you have that power of God and you find it right there between those pages and you're excited about it, you find yourself in the middle of God's will. You want to be out. You want to tell him you're full of life. Our churches are full of life. And then what do you know? I'm too short. Our churches have an impact on the world, full of salt and light. We can make a difference. And it's not us. It's God doing what God does. And we get the privilege of being part of it. Man, that's good stuff. Not the preaching, but the message. Because God loves us so much. Very quickly... Can you flip to the second Chronicles? You all have heard this verse before, but I told you revival is a life changer. It brings life. That's what we need. 
Listen to this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Church, we got to repent. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. We can be healed. Now mine eyes shall be opened, mine eyes attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. What place? The church. God's eyes will be opened to us again. His ears will be opened to us again. For now have I chosen, sanctified this house. This is a holy place that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Isn't that something? Wouldn't that? What if God was in our churches anymore? Can you imagine? He says right there, and because he, he always says what he'll do, that's what he'll do. He'll sanctify our churches. His name will be there forever. His eyes and his heart will be there for always. Oh, I need that. Our churches need that. And then check this out, John 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, that's all we got to do. The works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. So Jesus goes back to heaven when we accept him and believe. He says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You have him inside you. Everything you need, not in doses, every single thing you need to do every good work is in you. And we can go out and do greater works. Why? Not because we're God, not because we're, you know, it's because look around how many of us there are. And we could all be in multiple places at one time doing the same thing. And I guarantee you the churches wouldn't be laughed at anymore by the world. The world would stop and take notice. And they'd be like, oh, there's something going on. And they'll see it. The last thing, Jude 3. Beloved, when I came and gave all diligence to you of the common salvation, that's what we've been talking about today. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you, encourage. That's what I found. My wife, man, you want to know how God works? She was always saying, you are such a pessimist. You're always so negative. (laughs) Right? And I had to agree. I'm not so much that way anymore. Because there's something good going on. And so I can't wait to go out and encourage people. Encourage churches and equip them. That's why we need your help. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, if we're encouraged, we can go out and contend. We can fight for God. Swing his sword. Right? And I'm telling you, when you take that little step of faith, you will be amazed at how your faith grows. I can't wait to partner with you guys. Man, that's my prayer. To go out and do some really cool stuff for God. Can we pray real quick?